0: To the silver screen. Welcome back, listeners, to the third installment in my Matrix movie review series. Today, I am reviewing The Matrix Revolutions. This is your host Corbin, and I'm excited. Yeah, no, I'm gonna, I'm going, I'm, I'm all in for it. I'm excited for the Matrix Resurrections because I think that the one Wachowski sibling that came back to work on this one, I think they have the opportunity to do something really unique with this upcoming film. So if you haven't heard my reviews for the past two Matrix movies, those are linked directly below. Go ahead and check those out. Also, if you missed your guide to the Matrix Revolutions, wondering you know, what promotional marketing material went into this, how this film was made, all that good stuff, the scores, box office, everything that came out last week. Go ahead and check that out. That's the first link in the description below. While you're down there, you'll find timestamps if you want to jump around in the review, all of the links to our social pages, um, and a curated list of podcast episodes we think you'd like to listen to after this one. So tons of great stuff in the description below. No matter where you're listening, go ahead and leave five stars and a short written review, at least five stars. That is a great free way to help Silver Screen Guide out. Well, it comes as no surprise that I was too young to see The Matrix Revolutions back in the day when it came out in 2003. Well, how young was I? Well, I was a little over eight and a half years old. Um, Not much older from when The Matrix Reloaded came out, which had just come out a little over five months prior. If you want to know why in the world they released those two movies so close together, listen to your guide for revolutions and reloaded i talk about it in both of those nevertheless my parents weren't going to be taking me to see this movie i was far too young so i came to this one later in life i picked up the blu-ray trilogy And that's when I finally sat down with my dad. We watched it in our theater room. We went through all three films. But if I was old enough to see this back in 2003, would I go see it in the theaters or would I wait to rent it at Blockbuster or Hollywood Video for those of you out there that know what I'm talking about? Well, the trailer appears to be to present, I should say, the wild conclusion to the trilogy. You know, despite personally being let down by the sequel. Go listen to my review for all my thoughts on that. You know, I I still would give this one a chance in theaters because it looks spectacular. Not spectacular in the form that it's great, but it looks to be like a huge spectacle. Um, The thing that bothered me though, is the trailer is quite deceptive as far as the plotting goes. So I wouldn't appreciate that going into the movie. I would have completely different notions of what the plot was going to be about and come to find out. Pretty much what the trailer depicts as the plot is really only the first 30 minutes of the movie, which we're about to talk about right now. So if you have not seen The Matrix Revolutions, it is currently streaming on HBO Max. It is available to purchase on DVD, digital, Blu-ray, and 4K, so tons of options to check this movie out. So kind of picking up where the last film left off, the last film left off on a cliffhanger. There was no resolution. We know that Bane, who tried to assassinate Neo unsuccessfully, seemed to be causing some kind of terrible trouble for all of the, you know, warriors of Zion and their ships. Him and Neo were both in a coma. Neo saved everybody um, with some weird power, but that put him into some kind of a coma. And it literally said at the end of the film to be concluded It's a weird, not greatly exciting ending, I thought. So going into this one, they really needed to kind of amp it up. So what I was talking about earlier was in the trailer, it talks about the Merovingian wants the eyes of the Oracle in order to release Neo from being stuck at a train station. It's about the first 25 to 30 minutes of the movie where Neo meets this family of... They're programs, but ethnically, you know, they're Indian people. Um, Sati, I talked about all of this in your guide to the Matrix Revolutions. But he meets these people. He learns some things about love from a program, which is interesting. It's weird. Honestly, listeners, the movie opens. I think it has a good opening. It has some great action. It seems very interesting. The only problem is the plot of this movie really has nothing to do with the plot of the rest of the film and doesn't really tie back into the third act. It seemingly tries to, but in not any kind of satisfying way. So I really would say this is more of an epilogue to what they, you know, started and didn't finish in the second film. Because like I said, the Merovingian is back. I can't say I'm glad to see that he's back. But all of this and neo stuck in a train station there's this train man who we reviewed that actor and some of the mad max movies it is a weird opening but i mean to delve into some of the positives right off the bat is they are at this weird merovingian s&m nightclub which i gotta say i'm really tired with their fascination with weird depraved sexual stuff i could really do without some of that that was just Honestly, some of it was hokey seeing these people dressed up in their SM outfits, but nevertheless they do have this really cool upside down fight um right before they get into the club, which is harkens back to the first film, but doing something new. I really like that. I, I do like the idea of Neo's quest in this movie going to the machine city. Um feels a little bit, you know, Wizard of Oz gotta get to the Emerald City. Um, he has to get to the source. That's what the architect tells him is you have to get to the source. And that's what he finds out. That's, those are the feelings that he finds out. And that's how he's able to just stop the machines in the real world is he's tapping into the source. Um, you know, while the Zion stuff isn't all that great in this movie, I will say it at least provides what was missing from the second film. We should have saw this because in the second film, they talked about oh the machines are drilling um they're going to reach zion we never got to see any of that there never was that tension we really needed to see some preemptory battles happening between the humans outside of zion and the machines in the real world in order to you know create that excitement it it just wasn't there the, the second movie didn't have it this one does have it so i do like seeing some of that um there is a really cool shot at the end, seeing all of the Smiths lined up to watch Neo fight. That's, I think that's kind of iconic, seeing Neo and Smith go fight it out in the rain. Um, I will say though, I can only watch people punch each other so many times though, before it feels pointless and unintelligent. And that's one of, you know, these critical points I feel like with these Matrix films is after three movies, watching them so close together, there is so much punching and fighting. After a while, it really loses its luster. Um, yeah, it's choreographed well. It looks awesome in some parts. But it, it's just not as great. And thankfully this fight isn't, isn't going to be the crazy rematch that you thought it was going to be per se. Um, he's not fighting, you know, a thousand million people all at once. It really is just a mano So in that way, it is a little bit more satisfying than I, than what we saw in the second film. One of the disappointing aspects of this is that it very much is a part two. It is a weird part two. It doesn't much conclude with the, First movie. So, this while this is the third installment, it's the second part to the second film. It's a weird setup for a trilogy of films. I, I don't really like the way that it's set up. And of course, the new actress that plays the Oracle does a very good job. I think it is probably going to be jarring for some people, and it is just um, an interesting way to start the movie off. Um, there's also still no sense of urgency. With these machines is well, I talked about I liked seeing them finally fight these machines. We just don't get to see that until like an hour into the movie. Also, there is this entire subplot with Bane once again, where he is this bad guy sleeper agent um, trying to take out Neo. He's actually Smith. He's been taken over by Smith. That's why you learn he's not just some, you know, fanatic. He really is um not in control of his own actions. He's the one that blinds Neo. It's not terribly exciting. And I will say in general, it's hard to get excited about the action in this movie because it really is just a bunch of CGI creations, you know, happening mostly to characters we don't care about nor have much of an investment in. And we don't have much of an investment in the fall of Zion, except we know that we know we want the humans to win, but they didn't create the sense of urgency. They didn't build these characters. Commander Locke. And these council members, even the kid and some of these, you know, all these other people are pretty much cardboard characters, don't have much depth or dimension to them whatsoever. Now, in that, you know, interlude into the Matrix stuff, I think we got a little bit more of those, those characters arcs, but they're just not here in the movie, unfortunately. And they didn't really sell me on this apocalyptic moment this Armageddon style battle it really is supposed to be you know the final battle between humans and the machines and clearly that's not true because we're getting matrix resurrections but I'm, I'm just not buying it it's not that exciting this is no battle of Helm's Deep now I've touched on this a number of times but I want to dive into it finally right here is Sati and her family annoying as personified programs. I get it. You know, we've seen this a number of times. The Merovingians, a personified program. I, I don't understand a program, having a wife and be getting a child and a program that can love. I mean, they're not really having much of a commentary here on what they're saying. They're just showing Neo that there's more than meets the eye to this somewhat artificial intelligence. I suppose somehow this program has unlocked the meaning of life with Love and karma and all these things. Um, It's weird because I don't think they're going to come back around, but they do come back around because in the end, Sati is taken. I forgot all about her being taken until the very final scene. The Oracle is taken over by Smith, but then she's freed. Then Sati does come back and she just kind of creates this weird rainbow-ish thing in the sky for Neo It's all very head-scratching. It is a weird, weird way to start the movie um, because it does feel more like an epilogue and it's a weird way to end it. One of the biggest missteps is also, I'm still not sure why Neo and Trinity love each other, except that the Oracle told her she would in the first one. I don't think they have a, a ton of chemistry. Carrie Ann Moss does a great job as far as, you know, romantic chemistry goes. I think I don't really always get it from Neo. I know he rescued her. Their relationship just feels more perfunctory, like it was just written on the page and not that it's, you know, really something that's happening to these characters. Uh, that's, that's a huge misstep. I'm hoping that there's more of a deeper connection with these characters because there's just really not across this trilogy. Um, you know, I always remember the mech suits shooting straight up at the machines to be like a goofy arcade game. And it still is just that, um, eventually the visual visual spectacle really does amp up to something that is incredible to watch, but it, it, I mean, honestly, it's just these, you know, shooting, shooting giant Gatling guns, pretty much forever at these machines. It really feels more like an arcade. And I get, you know, they're now they're taking some stuff from video games, but it feels, Either nostalgic or outdated, it doesn't really work for me because a lot of this stuff is just shooting guns, shooting bazookas. It's, it's just not exciting and there's no stakes and we barely know these characters. So I really could care less if they die. No, I know that sounds callous, but as a, it's a writer's job to make us care about these characters, especially if they're going to give them poignant on screen deaths. Speaking of, you know, on screen deaths, Trinity's accidental death is frustrating especially since Neo saved her in the last movie. And she really doesn't do much in this one, except she does save his life in the beginning, somewhat, you know, helps him out a couple times through. I really just feel like Trinity got the shaft in this movie and across the whole entire series. I feel like she wasn't much of an integral part, especially because the architect was, I guess this was the architect's prediction and the second one was, you know, you can't really have it both ways. And he doesn't. He gets to free the world, but he loses Trinity. That emotional impact is lost on me. It's just not there, especially when Neo's, you know, more fascinated with how he can see all these glowing lights despite being blind than Trinity, you know, passing away in his arms. Not, not terribly happy about that. But the worst thing about this movie, and I think a lot of people will agree with me, is the ending is a big what the fudge. I mean, Sati is safe. Who cares? She's not a good little girl actress anyways. She makes this color, you know, the sky all colorful for Neo. Is the Matrix remade? Is is the Matrix starting over? At least that's how I took it. Is that the architect and the oracle, you know, are parting ways on amicable terms. The machines are now going to leave the humans alone. Neo was the Christ sacrifice. He even has a giant bright cross shoot through his chest and he destroys Smith who is kind of like the ying to his yang. He's the antichrist. He's the, you know, Satan, the spirit brother of Jesus. They're pulling from so many different, you know, religions here at the end. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I just don't care about Neo's fight with Smith. There's so much of this movie that seems so aimless and without reason and purpose. And ultimately at the, at the very end, I just don't care. Um, it's a wildly frustrating way to end the trilogy. You know, the Oracle says she'll suspect we'll see Neo again someday. Okay. Um, Yeah, I guess he'll be reincarnated, just like he is a reincarnation of the original one, I suppose. It just honestly feels like they just kind of ran out of time and they just needed to wrap this up or they just didn't care to invest as much. Or honestly, they didn't have much of a roadmap. Um, This honestly, I mean, this trilogy feels Like a better trilogy, I mean, than the new Star Wars sequel trilogy. That one is completely insane and unfollowable. But, I mean, maybe you'll feel differently. But nevertheless, there's just so much about this that I was let down by. The Matrix Revolutions is a palatable, albeit confusing, ending to the original trilogy. It goes down easy because there's quite a bit going on, unlike Last Time, which was a fairly one-track-minded film... You know, once we get past the first half hour of this movie, it's essentially non-stop action, albeit basic from here on out. Neo is surprisingly not much of a focus, and his purpose is shockingly obscure. Once credits roll on that pseudo-biblical sunset, I don't feel much of a victory was accomplished by our protagonists. Maybe a truce was had, but not the major accomplishment promised in the first film. If I was walking out of that theater in 2003... I would be disappointed. It's hard not to see Revolutions as a bait and switch, a half thought out college paper crammed in the night before finals. Watching all three together, it's plain to me this is a bad trilogy, only made worse by the third installment, which doesn't redeem the meandering, giant PlayStation 2 cutscene that is the sequel. Well, I don't think this movie is terrible, it's just not good at all, really. Hopefully, Resurrections will redeem what Reloaded and Revolutions just couldn't provide. The Matrix Revolutions receives 5 stars out of 10 with a not recommend. So what's my ranking of the trilogy? My ranking is actually 1, 3, and 2. 3 had enough going on by changing its pace every 30 minutes and changing what was going on that I was able to stay invested with it. Whereas my thoughts on two just haven't changed. I mean, I think two probably has, you know, some things going for it that might be a little bit better, but I think those overly elongated action sequences just ruin it and really put it off from me. So, I mean, I guess I would probably watch revolutions over two, but revolutions is pretty much tied into two. So two and three are just kind of one gigantic movie. I couldn't imagine sitting down watching, watching them back to back though. So if I didn't already own the trilogy, I wouldn't be picking this one up. It's one I can't really ever see myself returning to, unless I'm showing it to a friend or maybe with my kids someday. But one film recommendation that I do have is The Return of the King. That is how you conclude a trilogy. Now, don't do it Peter Jackson didn't give it 10 different endings, but nevertheless, those endings were far more satisfying than this one. So while they were making all of these Matrix films, the Wachowskis told their close collaborators that at the time they had no intention of going past the trilogy. They really were just going to end it with revolutions, which I think would come as a surprise to most people. They did give their blessing to the notion of gamers inheriting the storyline, and the Matrix Online video game was billed as the official continuation. So while Lana Wachowski was addressing rumors about a potential reboot, she said that they had not heard anything, but she also believed that the studio might be looking to replace her and her sibling. Um, at various times throughout the years, Reeves, Keanu Reeves and Hugo Weaving have said that they would be willing to reprise their roles in a new Matrix movie, but only if the Wachowskis were involved. So... Even back in March 2017, the Hollywood Reporter was writing that Warner Brothers was in the early stages of developing a relaunch of the franchise with Zach Penn, who we have reviewed some of his movies before, in talks to write a treatment, and interested in getting Michael B. Jordan attached to Star. I hadn't forgotten about that until I did research for that, but now it does recall memories that they were going to move on without the Wachowskis. You know, they wanted at least to get the Wachowski's blessings, but it would be a new project, something very different, a new character. People were guessing Michael B. Jordan would be Morpheus somehow. Ultimately, that never happened. That all fell apart. So Warner Brothers officially announced the development of a fourth film in August 2019 with Lana Wachowski serving as director and producing on it. Lily Wachowski is not returning for this new film, uh, which I thought that was very interesting. Um, What's his name? Lawrence Fishburne is also not returning as well. Morpheus is back, but not quite the same. Very curious how Yahya Abdul-Mateen II will do. Uh, I think he's a great actor. We did review him this year in Candyman. I'm curious to see what they're going to do with that. Well, listeners, the question after the show is what do you make of the ending of this film. What is your interpretation? Do you think it's a good ending? Do you think it's satisfying? Um, You know my thoughts on it. I'm curious to know your thoughts as well. Send me an email at silverscreenguide95 at gmail.com. I will read your answers and I'll read them on the show next time. Curious to see what some of you thought of the ending of this film. So I'm excited. I'm coming back next week with The Matrix Resurrections. Curious to see if they can redeem you know what they started here with this initial trilogy seeing if this will if it's popular enough it's going to spark a matrix 5 maybe a matrix 6 as well curious to see where that will go or if it'll get a tv series on hbo max i don't think that's out of the realm of possibility so thank you listeners for coming along with me on my review of the matrix revolutions we love i love talking about movies and i love talking about them with you so make sure to share with your friends and family and if you have not yet subscribed go ahead and do so now so you'll be notified when my review for matrix resurrection drops next week i will see you then listeners Hey, listeners, it's Corbin. Don't forget to check out the exciting links in the description below that will connect you with more great movie reviews for your listening pleasure and our YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter page. And of course, our official website where you can read great articles and sign up for our free weekly newsletter. Also, If you want exclusive bonus content such as extra movie reviews, movie commentaries, and our thoughts on the latest movie news and trailers, plus more, then check out our Patreon page. It's a great way to help keep this show free and it gives you great content that's yours to keep. All of that and more is found in the description below. Don't forget to subscribe, whether you're on YouTube, Apple, Google, or Stitcher, or your favorite podcast service, And while you're at it, please leave us a five-star review so other movie lovers can more easily find our podcast. We love talking about movies, and we love talking about them with you. So don't forget to share with your friends and family. And we'll see you next week, listeners. The Silver Screen Guide podcast is edited and produced by Alan and Corbin.